So I want to talk about how community, the importance of community, the body of Christ, how, how God uses this, we call community, this is, you know, the term community, koinonia, fellowship, is all, all kind of the same biblical word. I got to make myself, I got to look at this side over here because I got to get to where I can see Wayne Goodell, you know, he's my target, he's my target audience. <laughs> If you don't know Wayne Goodell, you've missed out in life. See, see, everybody agrees. He hates me to say something. It makes him, he is so humble. So he's like over there shaking his head. So I'm going to shut up, Wayne. Thank you, he says. She said, you know, never mind. There's so many good things I could say about Wayne. So... There's a refreshing that comes from being with the people of God. And that's one of the things. I, I experience that. I love that. I love, I love getting to talk to people. I love being with the body of Christ. Uh, I miss not being here. I, you know, it's, to me, it's just joyful. It's joyful to get to see Wayne. It's joyful to get to see Joe Skipper. It's go- joyful to see Mike Brewer. And we're going to do our, our phony Irish accent. Top of the morning to you. Good to see you. Oh, it's good to see you. Oh, Shanice, how are you doing? You know, uh, we're just, you know, we're just people, right? But we've been touched by the love of God. And so, so what does this mean? It, it's community. It's the gathering of people together. God wants to create a, a special community. His church, the body of Christ, is unique because we're bound together, not by race, not by, by economic level, not by heritage. We're bound together by the blood of Christ. And so because of that, it's unique. It's, it, it transcends because it's not, just, it's not just a generation. It's not just for a period of time. It's for eternity. So it's very valuable. It's very important. God wants to use the church. And sometimes as the church, as the, the people of God, we mess up, Right? So Paul talks about this in several places. He talks about how he was refreshed by the people of God, Romans 15, 30. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. And this is one of four times that Paul asked for prayer. It's really important that we pray for each other. Pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea and that the contribution I make to Jerusalem may be favorably received by the Lord's people there so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. So Paul is saying, you know, I'm refreshed by your presence. And I believe that people who hold us up in prayer, people who pray for us, refresh us. Even if, we don't, even if we don't know they're praying for us, there's a refreshing that comes. But it's really helpful when we say, will you pray for me? And those people actually pray for you. And, and we understand it. We know it and we feel it. Colossians 4.2. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too. That God may open a door for our message. So he's praying, you know, this. I'm an apostle. God wants me to preach the gospel. Pray that there will be opportunities, that I'll be that there'll be an open door, that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And interestingly, he doesn't pray, hey, you know what my prayer would be? Get me out of these chains. Wouldn't that be your prayer? 
His prayer is not to get me out of the chains. He said, Lord, use me where I am. We're always praying, God, oh, God, get me out of this job. It's a crappy job. Oh, God, get me out of this place. It's a bad place. God says, wait, wait, wait. I put you there on purpose. Paul was there on purpose. Paul had the opportunity. Uh, he, he led the guards that were, he was often chained to a, a guard. And you can, can you imagine being chained to the apostle Paul for 12 hours a day? So, you know, they came to Christ. First, first Thessalonians, easy for me to say, 525. He says, brothers and sisters, pray for us. Second Thessalonians 3, 1. For other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people for not everyone has faith. James tells us in James chapter 5, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. You need to have people in your life. That doesn't mean you need to stand up today and you have a problem with lust. Don't do that. But it does mean if you are struggling in some area, you need to have someone in your life that you can be truthful with and you can have accountability with. Someone that can pray for you and say, hey, I, I love you and I care about you and I'm going to pray with you to help you to overcome this. I want you to overcome this, this struggle. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Fill the Galatians 6, 2 tells us that we can carry each other's burdens and this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? Love one another. This is my commandment that I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you. That's the law of Christ. So he calls us to love each other. So one of the ways that we refresh each other is by carrying this burden of each other in prayer. You know, we've got, we've got some real needs happening here. We got, we've got people in can, with cancer that are battling cancer and, and all kinds of things. There's all, you know, just, there's just stuff always going on. You know, that's the reality of life. And so one of, the, one, of the, one of the things we do to show we love each other is we care about each other. And we carry each other before the throne of God and pray for them. We pray for Eric. Eric's battling cancer. And uh, we're praying for him to have total victory over it. Amen? People who look for a way to serve, people who, people who serve especially people who look for a way to serve. You don't have to chase them down and rope them into serving. You don't have to voluntold them. You know, you know how that is. We, it, it's, such, it's so refreshing when someone wants to serve. 1 Corinthians 16, 15, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they have devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunus, and Achaeus arrived because they have supplied what was lacking from you, for they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. So these people, and, and actually, that's what we're doing tonight. We're going to recognize those people that, that stand out in service in ministry. In virtually every area of ministry, we have people who stand out and who do an amazing job. And they just show up week after week after week. And so tonight, we're going to recognize our life crew in all those areas. 
the next slide shows this is what it takes on weekly in each service. Nothing's weekly. This is both services. It takes 61 people at least to do everything that happens. It takes four people to work in the Life Cafe. We're going to serve eight gallons of coffee and 18 dozen donuts. Think about it. Uh, we need eight in Kid City that's working with Shelly, Miss Shelly. So we need eight, four in each service, volunteers in the Kid City area. Uh, six on the worship, eight on the worship team. I should have read that better. Uh, so we have, you know, every week we've got a whole worship team that puts in a, they don't just work, it's not just what they do on Sunday. They, like we did a new song today, they've learned that song and uh, Landon's going to require that they do that song the, exactly the way it's supposed to be done. And they do it. Again, we have an incredible worship team. We have, you know, you know, Landon is, Landon and Alex, uh, but Landon does a fantastic job. Alex is, you know, Landon does a fantastic job. He's the leader. He's our worship leader. Alex, his wife, is our main singer, and she's as good as anyone in the world. <laughs> I mean, she has a fantastic voice, and they have a heart for God and for worship. I can't spend too much time on that. Okay. Uh, and you missed, if you didn't come to worship night last Sunday night, well, sorry, you missed it. Uh, uh, so then also we need 12 on the welcome team, uh, five at kids check in, eight in toddler town and toddler town is the area right now where we're having, we don't have enough people signed in for toddler town. We've got the first two months like you know, September, October, but we need, you know, if this is for six months. So you don't have to sign up for six months, but, and you can sign up for a month at a time and you can, you can sign up, you know, this month, skip a month, skip two months. What we would like you to do, we would like you to consider this, attend one service and serve one service. Yes. You know, because you need to be in here because you need to be preached at, you know, uh, you need to get the word in you. And you know, this, hopefully this isn't the only word you're getting in, in you, but you need this. You need this part of community. You need to worship together with the body. But also, it's going to help you grow in the Lord if you also serve. So if you're not, I want to just challenge you. Find an area. You know, you can, most people can open a door as people walk up to it. It doesn't take a lot of gifting. You know, someone walks up the door and you say, welcome. Glad you're here. You don't, don't have to hug them or shake their hand or anything, tackle them, you know, lead them to Christ, take them down the Roman road. You just open the door and, you know. So think about there so you can serve. People who do the work of relationships ref refresh us. And, I, you know, relationships are work. That's what you got to get. Relationships are work. If you're going to have relationships, it's going to take time. I mean, in-laws, they're work. My, my parents, I love my parents. Both my parents are gone now. I love my parents. They lived in Abilene. And here's what my parents would say. On Wednesday, they would say, we're thinking about coming to visit. Because my parents were very spontaneous. They never actually made a plan. They just did it. Uh, and then Friday night, they'd show up. We, so they never said they were actually coming, that they were probably coming, but they may not be coming. And then they would show up. My wife is a planner. 
It's on a list where I, when I can go to the bathroom. No, it's not really. That's just, that just sounded like. But she's, so you, you have to know that drove my wife crazy. But you know what you do with relatives? You, you put up with each other. So I put up with her relatives and she put up with my relatives. And we did that. And we, and we have to learn how to do that. But relationships take work. If, you want, if a life group is a hassle, because we're all super busy, so I'm going to be in a life group, so you think, man, there's, okay, I, I thought this was going to be a good night, but now there's 40 other things I could be doing but going to this life group. And for a lot of us, you know what our favorite thing to do is? Nothing. Because we're so busy. You see, on Sunday morning, I'm not competing with Sea Life Church down the road. That's not my competition. My competition is nothing. I'm going to get up today and do nothing. So that's our struggle. It's, so we have, it's a struggle because that's what we, our natural inclination to do is so we have to work at relationships. So in 2 Timothy, Paul is talking about this. You know that everyone in the province of Asia has deserted me, including Phagelus and Hermogenes, who invented milk, I think. <laughs> sorry. I know my brain's mixed up. I'm sorry. Paul, Paul suffered the pains of disloyalty. Not every relationship works out the way you hoped it would. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. But Judas fulfilled God's purpose in getting Jesus to the cross. Disloyal people drive us to the cross and to dependence on Christ. Paul was betrayed by these people and by Demas and by Alexander the coppersmith and by other people. Here's what he said in 2 Timothy 4. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. Which most of us would pray, get them good Lord. But, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. But the Lord showed up. Yeah, people didn't show up. People disappointed me. But God didn't. See, Jesus is better than the community of Jesus. This is a John Piper quote. Jesus is better. I thought I'd type that on there. Jesus is better than the community of Jesus. Jesus will be there when the community of Jesus lets you down. Because Jesus is better than the community of Jesus. Here's the problem with the community of Jesus. The community of Jesus is filled with imperfect people who are not Jesus. <laughs> We're not there yet. The church at best is the body of Christ. It is the body of Christ, but it's still made up of imperfect people loved by a perfect Savior. So when the community lets you down, God will let you down because one of the things that God wants us to always do is to get our life from Christ. So our goal as, as a community is not to talk about how great we are, but talk about how great Jesus is. Our goal is to help people fall in love with Jesus, not to fall in love with Randy Hewitt, not to fall in love with Life Community Church, but to fall in love with Jesus. 
Because it's pretty likely Randy Hewitt's going to say something to defend you. Might have already today. I mean, you know, but the day's young. Give me time. Or the church, somebody's going to hurt your feelings. So you need to be able to cling to something that's better than just people. We need people, and God uses people in powerful ways. But we can't expect people to fill the needs in our heart that only Jesus can fill. And if we look for people to fill the needs in our heart that only Jesus can fill, we'll walk around offended and hurt and disappointed in people all the time because nobody can do what only Jesus can do. So if someone slights you or doesn't shake your hand, then you know what that should then you can say, <laughs> church people are all the same. Well, then you'd be different. Then say, you know what? I'm not going to let anybody walk in here that doesn't know that I love them. Let your pain, let your hurt help you see the other people that are hurt. You think you're the only stinking person in here that's hurt? No. This room is full of wounded broken people. They got bad news this week. They're struggling with it. So we can, we can give each other grace. Listen to this. Acts chapter 15. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? Barnabas wanted to take John also called Mark. He ended up writing the gospel of Mark with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with, with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took, Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. So Paul thought Mark was a quitter because he did quit on him. And he didn't want to give him another chance. He said, no, I'm not taking somebody who's going to bail on us halfway through the trip again. Learn him a lesson with him. He doesn't have what it takes. I'm not going to, we're not going to take Mark with us. Barnabas, who was, the word Barnabas means son of encouragement, who had gone out and brought Paul out of obscurity and brought him into the ministry is wanting to do the same thing with Mark because that's his heart. His heart is to help people that, are, that other people are rejecting. And so his cousin Mark, he reaches out. He said, well, I, let's, take Mark, let's take Mark with us. And Paul says, no, he's a quitter. Barnabas says, let's give him another chance. He said, no, I'm not going to give him another chance. You can give him another chance. And so these two men, these two good godly men, these two men who have done great things together for the kingdom of God, that have accomplished great things for the kingdom of God, these two men who both love Jesus can't agree and they have to go separate ways. And they wrote it down. So we could see this. We're not always going to agree. We don't always have to stay in the same situation forever. Which one of them was wrong? I mean, wouldn't you think that Paul would say, man, Barnabas, I understand you really helped me when I was in a bad spot, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to defer to you because you're the one who came and rescued me. Or you think that Barnabas would have said, hey, you're the one that Jesus met on the road to Damascus and said you were an apostle. I'm not an apostle. I'm just, you know, Barnabas. 
Maybe I should do what you're saying. They were both right and they were both wrong. And that's going to happen. So you got to remember, Jesus is better than the community. Jesus will be there when the community lets you down. Both of them went on to accomplish things for God. <laughs> Mark, Mark wrote the gospel of Mark. Peter's, uh, Paul's ministry continued. Paul and Silas, the next chapter, they got thrown in prison. We talked about that last week. They, they continue to be used of God. We're, just because there's conflict doesn't mean God's not in the middle of it. There's occasionally good people get crossways. It's just, it's relationships. Sometimes it takes conflict to, to move forward. I don't know if you, I don't know, is anybody here married? Can you love somebody and have conflict with them? Not agree with how you're supposed to do the laundry or load the dishwasher? Or, yeah. Or how to drive? <laughs> I'm going to stop there. So because of that, we have to learn how to forgive each other. Ephesians 4.31, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ Jesus, Christ, just as in Christ, God forgave you. We have to, we have to learn how to forgive each other. Amen? We have to learn up to, actually the Bible says we have to learn how to put up with each other. Bear with each other. Bear with each other, that which actually means put up with each other. There's just the reality of relationships is, is that we're all kinds of dis- different personality types. And we value different things. I am, in the Enneagram, I'm an eight with a nine wing. And you don't have any idea what that means, probably. But it means that I'm a control freak and I'm a peacemaker. That's why I'm so messed up. <laughs> that's one of the, that's one of the, one of the reasons. Uh, but I'm married to a three and a one. She's a three and a one. And a one is a organized, you know. So we're, we're really different. We've been married 43 years. It's always a negotiation between the, the, that, our personalities. And you have to do that too. And so what do we do in the body of Christ? We, t- we bring <laughs> hundreds of different types of people together and we say, okay, we're different, but our main thing is that we're going to put Jesus first. We're different, but we're going to put Jesus first. So we're going to work at following Jesus with all of our heart. So we have to bear with each other. We have to put up with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And how did the Lord forgive you? Very abundantly. Sometime, this is hard for this generation to hear, but you need to hear this. Sometime we have to excommunicate somebody. Uh, or, yeah, there we go. I thought maybe the slides weren't working. For unrepentant and sustained sin. 
This is what the Bible says. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault. Just between the two of you, if they listen, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. (laughs) So occasionally uh, there are going to be people that will have to be disciplined in such a way because they continue in sin and are hurting the body of Christ and are unrepentant. The Bible says Jesus, no, Paul said to the Corinthians, a little leaven leavens a whole lump. Leaven affects, if there's sin in the church that's unrepentant, it affects all of the church. So it's important. So because of that, a lot of times sin just has to be lovingly corrected. We, we, need, to, we need to love each other. It doesn't have to go to leadership. Nobody else has to know. But if there's something, it says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore the person gently. Gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted, because we're all prone to sin. And you don't want to be prideful about that you were able to correct someone, because you might be next. But... Are there times that we need to say to to people, you know, someone that you love, you might say to someone you love, hey, you're working way too many hours, you need to spend more time with your kids. Hey, man, what are you doing talking to your wife like that? That's not right. And so by Scripture, we're not just throwing out opinion. If you love somebody, just like you love your kids, you better discipline them. Better not let them have everything they want. You're going to ruin them. You're not going to make them better. Oh, well, I just want to give them everything they want. Well, well, good luck with that. Did you hear about the guy in India? It, you know, it was, on, it was on the internet, so it has to be true. Uh, <laughs> that, that his parents gave him a brand new BMW for his birthday, like his 21st birthday. Gave him like a you know fifty thousand dollar car for his birthday, but he wanted a Jaguar, and so he pushed it into the river. That's a kid that's already had too much. Didn't appreciate what he had. Okay, you're also going to be treated badly by Christians sometimes. Here's what First Peter says, and he's writing this to Christians. So you got you know he so First Peter he's writing to Christians. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. So what he's saying is Christians can sometimes insult each other. Right? Ever been insulted in church? Of course you have. You know what the difference is? When you get insulted in church, you have an enemy of your soul that wants you to take that to heart. They, the enemy of your soul wants you to say, did you see that? They don't like you. They turned their back to you. They, they didn't even know they turned their back to you, but they just did. The enemy wants, to, wants you to be offended. He doesn't care if you get offended at Target and you quit shopping at Target and you go to Walmart. But he would love for you to get offended with church and say, I don't want to have anything. Those church people are all alike. I'm not going back to church. That's what he wants. He wants you to be offended 
by someone who does something stupid. And we do stupid stuff because we're people. We say stupid stuff. We, we think our opinion is the law, is truth. And we express our opinion. And we say thing, hurtful things. But he says, here's what I want you to do. When you get that, when that happens to you, don't, don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. What's God called us? He's called us to bless. So Paul had the pain of disloyalty, but he also found the joy of loyalty. Verse 16 May the Lord show mercy to the house of Anesiphorus, because he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. On the contrary, when he was in Rome, he searched hard for me until he found me. May the Lord grant that he will find mercy from the Lord on that day. You know very well in how many ways he helped me in Ephesus. So Anesiphorus looked for Paul. He went out of his way. Relationships are time-consuming and inconvenient, but Paul said, wow, what a difference it made. You just sometimes you don't realize that just being present, just being there with someone, how, what value that can be to them. Yes. Letting them know that you care. He, so he showed Paul's in prison. He doesn't get him out of. He can't get him out of prison. Maybe brought him, you know, a bag of grandma's cookies. Brought him some food. Refreshed him. Maybe a change of clothes. Something to write so he could write some more letters. We don't know, but it refreshed him because he, he sought him out. And, and if people aren't seeking you out, if you feel like people aren't pursuing you in a relationship, then you pursue them in a relationship. I've had people that have been in the church eight years and say, well, nobody talked to me. I said, well, why, why should they? You should be talking to them. You've been here more than three months. You ought to be tracking people down. Hey, I want to... I, I didn't get to talk to you last week. I want to talk to you. Words, you have to pursue. It's hard. You know, it's, the easy thing to do is come in a little late. Most of you are good at that. <laughs> not, not pointing a finger. But uh, come in a little late, and then just, I got to get out of here. But if you're going to build relationships, you got to invest some time. You got to invest some energy. And you have... It, it won't just happen. You have to realize. You, you know what? You know what? And that's force could have said, well, you know, it's a lot of trouble. You know, I've got to go all the way down to Rome. I don't, know, I don't even know if he wants me to go. I mean, I don't even know if Paul needs any help. I mean, he's Paul. He's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, he's probably got thousands of people who are knocking on the door of the prison wanting to help him. He doesn't need me to help him. But he did. He did. And we often, we often overestimate what other people are doing. So we need to say, what if I'm the only one? He was the only one. He was the only one that ministered to Paul in this situation. What if they're the only one? So start looking around to people. It's not like, oh, nobody's ministering to me. What about the people that God wants you to minister to? Change the direction of your heart. God didn't call you to be served. He called you to be a servant. We need to change the direction of our hearts so we look around. We need to be looking around each week and say, well, whoa, who's sitting by themselves? Who's, who's, is there somebody here that doesn't have anybody sitting with them? 
I need to go meet them and sit with them. Well, I don't know them. You will. We need to, we need to work at the relationship. And it's, it is work. And it takes work. And the reason other people didn't do it, because it was a risk. Because to identify with Paul might mean you would end up in chains next to him. They were chained because they were Christians. So to come in and minister to one of the head Christians of the day was to say, hey, I'm one of them too. And they would say, well, why, why didn't Onesiphorus in chains? We ought to put him in chains too. There was a risk. And so we have to be willing to risk relationship. Almost done. New commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you have loved one for another. John 13, 34. John 15, 12. My command is this. Love each other as I've loved you. John 15, 17. This is my commandment. Love each other. You think Jesus forgot he said it three times? No, he said it three times on purpose. So let's make it a, let's make it a goal of loving each other. And how do we do that? First, first Thessalonians says this. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. One of the good people that's, one of, one of the people in the, our, the life of our church is good at that is Marvin. Marvin is a great encourager. He says encouraging things. I've had a lot of people tell me, there was this guy, I don't know what his name is, but he's tall. He's a tall guy, and when we came into the church, he was very friendly, and he was really, really welcoming. He really helped, made me feel at home in the church. It's Marvin. You know, and we can do that. We can encourage each other. I would tell you this. We don't want anyone to walk out of this place on any given Sunday and not believe that both God loves them and we love them. Especially if they're a child or a teen. Because, you know, teens (laughs) don't feel like anybody loves them or cares about them. They feel like they're ugly that they don't fit in. They just, they're struggling with their identity. And you may think, well, they don't care what this old fart thinks. They may not care, but who cares if they know how important it is? You let them know anyway. I'm so glad you're here. I love that. You know, don't, don't say, well, what'd you, what'd you dye your hair purple for? And your hair's blue. I mean, you know, it's like... You know, we don't want to wound people. We want to build them up and encourage them. So when you, if you see someone, especially children and youth, see somebody, let's, let's work at saying positive stuff to each other. Hey, I love you. It's good to see you. You look great. That's a good-looking shirt. That's a good-looking pair of shoes. I really like those shoes. Encourage people. We all need it. So that when they leave here, they'll think, leave thinking, you know what? Those people love me. I've had so many people tell me, and we never want this, this church to be this place. I've had so many people tell me. They went and visited four or five churches, and nobody talked to them. Nobody said a word to them. Now, I'm, I don't, some, some churches, that's part of their philosophy. There, there was, they, they want to be so seeker-friendly that they don't want to push people away. I, I'm telling you, you know, they, and they have bigger churches. But before God, I want to say this. I'm never going to do that. 
My goal is that when people come in here, they know that God loves them. They leave here knowing God loves them. And they believe that we think they're valuable because we spoke to them. We made a place for them. We, we, we didn't make them uncomfortable by pursuing them. We didn't hug them too much or we didn't shake their hand if they didn't want their hand to be sure. But we let them know from a safe distance. Because not everybody's a hugger, you know. Three months down the road when they've been in church for six months, they may be a hugger. But the, the Sunday they walk into church for the first time, leave them alone. <laughs> because that to them is weird. Right? It's a little too much. But we do want them to know. That we want them to experience the love of Christ that has changed our lives. And it's caused this crazy bunch of people from all kinds of diverse backgrounds to love each other. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Let's stand up and I'll quit. If you don't stand up, I'll just keep going. <laughs> Lord, I thank you for these people. Your people. I thank you for your people that have been changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. They've been washed in the blood. They've been made new creatures in Christ Jesus. They've been changed from the inside out. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, you've made us into your church, the body of Christ. So Lord, help us today to love one another the way you have loved us and thereby be the community of Christ that can change the world. In Jesus' name, amen.